you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. And we are pretty much through 12 weeks of the season. So the playoff push really starting in earnest around a lot of fantasy leagues. We're going to talk about some of that as well. Like plenty to do on the show today. Of course, we are joined as always by producer Justin and the specialist, a cast of dozens uh, that help us put on this show. And uh, joined on screen as always by Michael F. Florio. Flying the Mets flag today. Uh, I guess. I guess. Congratulations are in order. A big. A big free agent signing. Apparently, uh, landing in Queens for you guys, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry uh, to take him from your Dodgers, Marcus. But uh, <laughs> Max Scherzer, the biggest signing for the Mets in like 15 years. Uh, I, it's a new era, I guess. I'm just. I'm just feeling pretty. Pretty excited right now. Hey, as long as he doesn't start, you know, giving the fans thumbs down or whatever it was <laughs> that was going on last year, uh, it should be good. Yeah, look, we we will definitely miss him in L.A. It was a short time that that he was here, but uh, look, man, he pitched well. He helped the Dodgers. I I, I hope uh, that whenever he comes back to Dodger Stadium to pitch against the Dodgers, that the fans actually appreciate him and applaud him because uh, he did his job. The rest of the team, you know, there were breakdowns, but I I, I can't blame anything that happened in the postseason. Uh, on Max Scherzer, so he wanted um, LA forty three million a year is just hard to uh, to pass up. But also, Marcus, I mean, congrats to you, USC, Lincoln Riley. That, that's uh, <laughs> right. I, I know we're here to talk NFL, but man, it was a good day for our non NFL teams. It was, it was. That was a bombshell. It was a bombshell mostly because nobody saw it coming. Of all the big names that were thrown about uh, for potential uh, head coaching replacements there at SC, uh, Lincoln Riley never appeared. And then all of a sudden, just like lightning, it strikes. So uh, it definitely isn't a cure-all, but it's a step in the right direction after sort of wandering in the wilderness for the last you know five, six years. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I am optimistic uh, about what's going to happen. Um, all right. We do have plenty to talk about on the show today. Uh, we will try to predict some fantasy league winners as we turn the page toward week 13. We'll give you some waiver wire targets as well. And as always, have the Monday night preview tonight. It is the Seattle Seahawks heading to the nation's capital to take on the Washington football team. But let's get started, as we always do, with some fantasy headlines. Starting with the big and unfortunate news out of Carolina. Christian McCaffrey's season is over. He was seen in a walking boot after Carolina's loss to the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And then word comes on Monday that he'll be placed on IR, ending his season. So, uh, Florio, unfortunately for the second straight year, injury cut short uh, McCaffrey's year. Uh, is it as simple as we just now pivot to Chuba Hubbard? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I think Hubbard becomes one of the top two must-grab waiver wire targets. We're going to talk about that other guy a little bit later, but Hubbard right now, even with the Panthers on by next week, needs to be prioritized because he was averaging 20 touches a game with no CMC, and it's looking I mean, we're not going to have CMC the rest of the year, so Hubbard is the guy there now. I mean, he played well uh, in McCaffrey's absence earlier in the year, uh, but def definitely frustrating for a guy that was the number one overall pick in a whole lot of leagues. Uh, and I think at this point, you can probably X him out of the conversation for being the number one overall pick in 2022. But uh, we will press ahead with Shuba Hubbard and uh, whoever else you may be able to find off the waiver wire in our lineups. Speaking of the injuries piling up, uh, Dalvin Cook suffered a shoulder injury in the loss to the 49ers on Sunday. It is being called a torn labrum. Uh, the Vikings are hoping he could return potentially for the playoffs if they make it. Right now, they are, I think, the final seed in the NFC. So a simple question, uh, is it Alexander Mattis season now? Yes, 100% yes. He is, the, in my opinion, the unquestioned top waiver wire target on the week. I mean, forget even what he did yesterday. We already have two games this year where Dalvin Cook missed. Weeks three and week five. Alexander Madison had 32 touches in each of those games. He topped 23 fantasy points in each of them, and he did so with only one touchdown in those two games. He had over 150 yards in both of those games, and when the touchdowns start coming for him, because they will, he is going to be an unquestioned RB1, I think, with top five upside. Like, no offense to Dalvin Cook, but when Alexander Madison slides in, I'm not saying he's exactly what Dalvin Cook is, but I think he could be like 80%, 90% of it just on volume alone. So, yeah, if he is out there, I think you, you go very aggressive for him because if the Vikings are hoping that Dalvin Cook is back for the playoffs, that means he's likely out for all of the fantasy playoffs and Alexander Madison could win you your league. So I would unload my fab to get him on my roster right now. He is the one guy that we always talk about in terms of like we talk about handcuffs, right? His name is the, usually the first one that pops up because he is, I think, uh, and maybe Tony Pollard slots into this as well, but he is the guy that is the closest one-to-one -one comparison to the guy playing ahead of him. The guy that, you know, w when a Dalvin Cook goes down, we know Madison is going to get all that workload. And like you said, he can be 80 to 90% of what Dalvin Cook has been. It's hard to say that with other backup running backs around the league. I mean, like I said, maybe Tony Pollard sort of fits that mold as well, although he's kind of getting a lot of regular snaps anyway, even with Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, Madison is going to be very popular. It's going to be kind of a, a mad rush to add Alexander Madison for people who have Dalvin Cook, for people who don't have Dalvin Cook. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be one to sort of watch. And uh, the schedule, I think, is is okay down the stretch for him. So we'll, we'll see what he, what, what he does, but you're right. He has the potential to really turn some leagues around uh, and shake some things up in the fantasy playoffs. With, I was, with, with the injuries that we're seeing at the running back position as of late, I think if there's any of these high-end backups on your waiver wire, stash them now. Like I'd rather mm -hmm. have that than like a fifth or sixth wide receiver, you know? I think so. No, I think you're right. I think instead of, you know, fooling around and trying to see what Traquan Smith can give you or, you know, somebody like that. I mean, we were sort of joking on Sunday about, you know, the Nick Westbrook Aquinas of the world. Uh, you may be better off stashing uh, an Alexander Madison, uh, maybe even a Chuba Hubbard, depending on the situation in Carolina uh, for your stretch run. Uh, some bad news out of Dallas. Mike McCarthy tests positive for COVID. Uh, one of a number of Dallas coaches uh, that recently have tested positive for the virus. We saw on Thanksgiving uh, some of their coaches were unavailable. Mike McCarthy will not be available to coach on Thursday night against the uh, New Orleans Saints. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. Is it something, though, do we do we worry about the offense? I mean, it looks like Kellen Moore will still be available. So I feel like for us and, and the fantasy aspect of it, uh, as long as Kellen Moore's still there, we should still be okay, right? Yeah, I, I'm not too worried about the offense if it's just Mike McCarthy missing, but we're hearing that there's a lot of positives coming out of Dallas. So I think it's a situation to monitor and – We've already seen Amari Cooper miss two games. I think if it starts to be like something like that where we're hearing more players are, are you know, uh, positive, then I'll start to worry. But if it's just a couple of coaches, I'm still going to be starting like Dak and those guys like usual. I think so. Uh, the Saints are, are scuffling right now. I mean, they were thumped 
pretty good on Thanksgiving um, by the Bills. They are they're kind of a mess right now. So I think you can get all your Cowboys into the lineup. Uh, in San Francisco, it's a big win for the 49ers that bumps them up to the sixth seed in the NFC. But uh, a slight bit of bad news: Debo Samuel left that game uh, with a groin injury. Uh, he actually left the game, was called questionable, ended up not returning. Uh, the Niners ended up winning. They didn't necessarily need him, uh, but uh, continued to have what has been an amazing season. He uh, is the first wide receiver in NFL history with a thousand receiving yards, five or more rushing touchdowns, and five or more receiving touchdowns in a season. Uh, the good news, though, the Niners don't think it's very serious. He might have to miss a little time, but they're not expecting it to be anything long term. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Does this? I guess it does change something, though, right? I mean, there's no Debo Samuel, so this means more for Brandon Ayuk. Do we do we dig deeper? Do we try a Jawan Jennings or a Trent Sherfield or somebody like that? I think just Jennings and deeper formats, but I, I think this offense, I mean, the last couple of weeks, Debo Samuel has been used kind of more as a running back than a receiver. I mean, in the last two weeks, he is less than four fantasy points from catching balls and over 32 from just running. So I think that Brandon Ayuk, who has kind of been the top target the last couple of weeks, he only will see more. I think maybe it also helps George Kittle because he's been kind of up and down since returning, but... Debo Samuel is one of one, right? Like, there's no other piece like Debo Samuel. So, taking him out, I think it's going to change the offense a lot because he just does stuff that no other player in the NFL can do. I mean, it's been amazing to watch him. Uh, I... I tweeted that he, you know, Debo Samuel greater than Trey Sermon, and that wasn't even intended to be a hot take because that's really what it is now. I mean, Sermon uh, got on the field for special teams, ended up hurting his ankle and having to leave that game, but they're not even looking his direction. They would rather give Debo Samuel carries than put Trey, uh, Trey Sermon on the field right now. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on this. Obviously, if he's not available for the Niners, he can't play for you, but it, it doesn't look like it's going to be anything long-term, so that at least as a positive uh, as we head to the late part of the season. Uh, one more thing that I, I glossed over unintentionally, Dan Arnold uh, has an MCL sprain that is expected to keep him out four to six weeks. Uh, this just takes one more tight end out of what is already a pretty shallow pool. Uh, dare we Dare we try streaming James O'Shaughnessy now that he's back? <laughs> I, I would not be doing that. Dan Arnold uh, last week didn't have a target, and then uh, you know yesterday got injured. Uh, I, I thought he was a cuttable tight end after I was pretty high on him for a stretch. But tight end is hard, man. And uh, I guess if anything, Marcus, this leads to a little bit more Lavisca Chenault, who did have a team high nine targets yesterday. Just, just saying. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, contain my excitement about it. Uh, you know, I've had my heart broken before by Urban Meyer and this office, but you're right. No, Dan Arnold, uh, may, maybe a little more Visca in our lives. I would, I would be okay with that. So we'll see. Um, that gets us to things we learned, as we always do this time uh, on Mondays, about the, the things we saw over the weekend that we took away and are trying to put into use in our daily fantasy lives. Uh, what is it that you know now that maybe you didn't know before? Pat Fryermuth is, I think, an unquestioned must-start tight end each week. We were saying earlier how hard tight end is. Well, it's not hard when you have a guy like Fryermuth who is just scoring touchdowns each and every week. He's getting consistent volume. Even yesterday in a game where the Steelers were getting blown out and, and their offense struggled, he was a bright spot for them. He scored a touchdown. He made a really impressive catch in the end zone as well. And I actually put this out on Twitter, Marcus. I put out a poll who would you rather have on your fantasy roster just for the rest of this season, not 2022 and beyond? Kyle Pitts or Pat Fryermuth, the top two rookie tight ends. And Fryermuth is winning 66 to four, uh, to 34% right now with nearly 2,400 votes in. So hot take. I mean, Fryermuth might be what we wanted Kyle Pitts to be this year. He really might be. And I think there's a, a greater discussion to be had uh, about Kyle Pitts. Uh, in fact, if I uh, you know can tease a little bit in the show, we may talk about Kyle Pitts uh, a little bit later on in this show because I think I think he's sort of an interesting point. Uh, the thing I learned, and whatever superlatives you have about Pat Fryermuth, the opposite applies to Evan Ingram. That's it. <laughs> I'm out. I'm yeah. It's like I mean I'm like, like I'm ending the show with Evan Ingram. That is it. We are done. Like I I I've, you know this was supposed to be the week against the Eagles who have tight end blindness. Um, he had three catches for 37 yards. Uh, someone named Chris Myrick 
Uh, another tight end on the roster who is not named Evan Ingram ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, yeah, I just I it, it, it was supposed to happen this week, and if it we said repeatedly, you and I both said if it didn't happen this week, it was probably never going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. So any slight dream, I'll tell you this. I think I went through and started to make list for my sleepers column for the week. And I think I looked at it and I think Ingram has a decent matchup this week. And I just, I can't, I can't in good conscience put him forth anymore as a viable fantasy option. Cause it, it's just, it's over now. So we can, yeah. we can pack this tent up, right? This was the best matchup for a tight end in a game where the Giants didn't have Sterling Shepard, Kadarius, Tony, or Kyle Rudolph. And he still couldn't get the job done. I, I, I'll get suckered into him maybe if he signs with a different team or something like that. But until <laughs> then, I am washing my hands clean of Evan Ingram. Yeah, it's all over. At least it's all over in New York. Ugh. It was supposed to happen. It didn't. Uh, I, I'm so frustrated. Anyway, take a deep breath and take a break. Uh, we're going to look into our crystal ball to divine the future for Leonard Fournette and Cordero Patterson. Which NFC South running back has the most staying power? That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Taking a look at some of the top performers for week 12. Josh Allen, your QB1, 26.7 points that he put up on Thanksgiving. Quite a healthy serving for him. Aaron Rodgers put his bare foot in the Rams' backside uh, in their win on Sunday. 26.28 fantasy points. That made him the QB2. Leonard Fournette, your RB1. Four touchdowns, gave him 44 points. Cordero Patterson with 27.5 to be the RB4. Javante Williams having a nice game with 20.1 fantasy points. He's the RB6. Jalen Waddle with his first career 100-yard game. That helps him land as the wide receiver one. Kendrick Bourne, 23 points for him. The wide receiver four. Debo Samuel with the wide receiver six. Did it with just one catch in the ball game. So, uh, you know, go figure that out. Uh, Jack Doyle, 20 points. Uh, he was your tight end one. And Pat Fryermuth, your tight end seven with 14. Uh, but let's talk about a couple of the running backs that were on that list. Uh, you got Leonard Fournette, who had the huge game, the four touchdowns that I mentioned. Cordero Patterson having another solid game as part of what's been an outstanding year for him. Um, understanding that the situations may change. I know that Fournette is expected to be a free agent at the end of the season. Very well could resign in Tampa. Cordero Patterson sort of playing a role that nobody anticipated. But if you were looking at these two guys for next year, which one are you drafting first, and, and where are you taking them? I think it would be Leonard Fournette, and I, I am comfortable if he is back with the Tampa Bay Bucks, taking him in the second round. Uh, I don't think he's a first-round uh, pick. And the thing with Cordell Patterson, he is an amazing story. He is playing great. He's going to be 31 years old, first best year of his career. I, I, I'm a little bit worried at trusting him again, at least investing as highly as I think it might cost to get him. But with Leonard Fournette... Uh, I know he, he, he has been better than we give him credit for throughout his NFL career, and he's showing this year. I mean, Ronald Jones also could be gone out of Tampa next year, so it could be really Leonard Fournette getting even potentially more volume here. So uh, I think this is a really good question. I lean uh, with, with playoff Lenny, who I'm thinking next year will be second-round Lenny. I, you know, I, I can certainly understand and respect that i'm going to at least make the case for cordero patterson in the sense that uh you know the who knows what the, the falcons may do in the draft if they go and try to add a running back but they have found something that seems to be working for them more than anything else uh, they can go to consistently and they have found ways to use him uh, sort of as a swiss army knife i mean you know they primarily have him in the backfield as a running back but we have seen at times uh, when they've been shorthanded at wide receiver they line him up out wide they can use his wide receiver skills and do that as well. Um, so I, I think there's a, an opportunity. Now, the other part of it, though, is I don't think he's going to go as high as Fournette will. You know, I, I think Fournette probably is a second-round pick in a lot of leagues. I see Patterson as a guy that slips to the third, maybe even the fourth round, depending on what happens uh, in Atlanta in the offseason. But 
um, I think this is interesting. I mean, I, I think I think they have maybe hit on something that maybe Arthur Smith uh, has found a new Jenga piece that, that he can kind of play with a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm intrigued. I also think it's funny, and, and Twitter pointed this out yesterday, that two of the top running backs in the league over the past couple of weeks have been wide receivers between Cordova Patterson uh, and Devo Samuel, which... Uh, does not does not bode well for any of the you know anti RBs don't matter people. It's it's bad. Although maybe maybe these guys will devalue themselves by becoming running backs. I don't know. I don't know how this narrative works. Shout, I have no shout idea. Shout out to uh, to Arthur Smith too. I mean Cordero Patterson, Corey Davis, Ryan Tannehill. If you are an NFL player struggling to get going, just go play for Arthur Smith for a year. He'll get the most out of you. Right. So maybe that's the narrative, right? We kept saying that maybe it was getting away from Adam Gase. Like maybe some of it was going to Arthur Smith. Like maybe maybe that's part of what some of the issue is with some of these guys. Uh, another guy who had a big week, Jalen Waddle, as I mentioned, his first career 100-yard receiving game. He is your wide receiver one heading into Monday night. Um, the schedule looks really nice for him. Can he be a league winner this year? I definitely think he can. I mean, he is the unquestioned top target uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Like, since week six, he's giving you nearly 10 targets per game. He has a 26% target share, and he's eight, giving you over 18 fantasy points per game in that span. All three of those rank in the top eight amongst wide receivers in that span. So he's getting a lot of volume. We know he is explosive. You see there what he could do. He's both explosive after the catch and on long, deep type of passes. So I think he definitely has league-winning potential. And Marcus, you brought up the schedule. It's very favorable these next couple of weeks. So I I think if you have Jalen Waddle, you just continue to ride this. And and hopefully he continues to just get this sort of volume because we know what he could do with it when he gets it. You know, it's funny because you know we have I've, we've kind of spun the wheel of rookie wide receivers. You know, Jamar Chase uh, came out of the gates hot and and with everybody's favorite for a while. Devontae Smith has picked things up in kind of the mid portion of the season. Uh, now maybe the spotlight is turning toward Jalen Waddle a little bit. Uh, and by the way, we are going to talk some league winners a little bit later on in the show, so uh, definitely stick around for that. Uh, side note. Is Will Fuller ever going to play again? Like what what happened to Will Fuller? <laughs> it it doesn't feel like he it's been such a weird year. Like remember early in the year they were like, "Oh, well we don't know if Will Fuller's going to play again." And then he came back and then he went on the IR right away. I don't know. Something weird is going on there and it doesn't feel like he's coming back anytime soon. But they also have Devontae Parker uh looming. That that's a good point though. Though if anything slows down Waddle, I think it would be I guess the resurgence of those two, but Waddle has to still be their top target going forward. I would think so. I mean, I think they, they hit on something that, that they sort of like here. So I, I, I expect him to get more work as they go along. It's just weird. The disip- I, I had to Google. Like, Will Fuller actually still is on the Dolphins, right? Like, I had to Google it and make sure <laughs> he didn't, that maybe he didn't I didn't retire. miss something. <laughs> right. Like, I was like, maybe I did. Maybe I missed something. Let me just, let me just double check on that. Who knows? Um, all right. Time now for I'm Salty. Uh, the part of the show where we talk about the guys who broke our hearts and let us down. And uh, for you, who was that this week? It was going to be Miles Sanders until we found out this morning that uh, the reason why he struggled was because he rolled his ankle. So I'll give Miles Sanders a pass and I will go with Lamar Jackson. Uh, it was rough go for Lamar Jackson last night. Four interceptions, a career high. He still looks good when he decided to run the ball. But there was a lot of passes he made yesterday that just weren't sharp. And he even said after the game, like, he was struggling to get uh, his normal strength on his throws after, you know, missing last week due to a virus. So he's not fully healthy. I'm willing to give him a pass on that. I still think Lamar Jackson is a weekly must-start option. But this was a great spot for him. I expected a really big game. And he gave you anything but single-digit fantasy points. And that was kind of the theme of the week, right, Marcus? Like... Bad quarterback play. On the week as a whole, seven quarterbacks top 20 fantasy points. That's it. Not good. Yeah, it, it was rough. I mean, I, I say that as somebody who, in a two QB league, started both Cam Newton and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cam got benched for P.J. Walker. Jalen Hurts had one of his worst games of the season. It was, And I came into the Sunday thinking, like, man, this is great. I got Cam and Jalen Hurts. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just crush Instead, I got the, crushed. The, uh, the cam yeah. benching solely had to be to keep him healthy, right? Like, there's no other reason I could think of. I think it was they, they were getting blown out. Everything was going bad. It just didn't make sense to keep him in the game. 
Um, you know, I know that I think Matt Rule has said that Cam is expected to start next week, but also sort of left the door open for PJ Walker to play in case things don't, go bad again. Don't do this. So we'll see. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. Don't don't do this as well. Um, I am salty uh, about Najee Harris. Uh, having a really the Steelers in general had a terrible terrible day uh, against the Bengals they got blown out 41 to 10 they were swept by the Bengals in the season series this year but Najee Harris was pretty much invisible he played about 60 percent of the snaps which is uh, quite a bit less than what we're used to seeing from him on a weekly basis he had just eight carries in the ball game I had three receptions for 14 yards ended up with just 37 yards total uh, 6.7 fantasy points it in I guess what was most disappointing was that it has felt like he has sort of been immune to game script that no matter what the situation was they were still getting him involved because he's been so efficient as a pass catcher this year that even if they can't run the ball they can find ways to get it to him through the air they didn't do that um, and right now the Steelers in general are just kind of a mess they're five five and one uh, they're, they're sort of free-falling. Uh, they are currently not in a playoff position. And, uh, you know, I, I would think they're still going to try to ride Najee Harris. But, man, yesterday was yesterday was, about, was about as awful as it gets, Florio, for, uh, for Najee Harris, I think. Who I, I agree. I think yesterday was like, it's the floor game. I expect him to bounce back uh, very, very like, soon as next week. But who would have thought, Marcus, uh, going with Big Ben another year would have been a bad idea? Who, who saw that who coming? Except for everybody, you know. Um, <laughs> it, it was funny, too, because I remember um, in the preseason, uh, you know, all the, the, the Pittsburgh media, like, putting out these videos of Ben, like, throwing the ball, like, just soft-tossing and, like, trying to convince us that Ben was in the best shape he had been in a long time. Uh, he was ready for a huge season. And it just felt it felt forced. It felt like propaganda. And it so far has kind of turned out to be that. Um, good luck. Because you know, there are no real easy answers in either free agency or in the draft. So uh, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do at quarterback. It doesn't look good. So we'll, we'll find out about that. It's All right. weird teams with uh, with good old quarterbacks trying to get rid of them, but the Steelers are just uh, just holding tight. I don't get it. <laughs> just, just gonna, we're just going to hold on. We're going to hold on forever. Uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see how that works out. You probably know what I'm about to say right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. You should follow us on TikTok, at NFL Fantasy, putting out content there, trying to help you become a better fantasy manager, and also uh, you know, be a time suck while you're just sitting there at work or at home on your phone scrolling. So uh, follow us at NFL Fantasy. You can follow me at Marcus Grant. Uh, I play the ukulele. It's terrible, but it's, it's fun. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so come check it out. It's a whole lot of a whole lot of awesomeness there uh, on your phone. All right. Uh, I was thinking about this as uh, we turn the page. Uh, I guess starting tomorrow to week thirteen. Uh, that gives us just a couple of weeks left in the fantasy regular season. So this is the time you are looking at your roster and trying to figure out if you have some guys that can help you win a title. So I put together four names, uh, and we can decide if these are a league winner or bust, if they're going to get you to a championship or uh, whether or not we have concerns about them. So the first one is Antonio Gibson, who uh, if you watched uh, NFL Fantasy Game Day on Sunday, <laughs> you might have known that uh, one Kimmy Checks, has a bone to pick with Antonio Gibson. <laughs> she spent the whole show being super salty every time his name came up. Uh, and for, for some good reason. Uh, for a guy who came off the board in the second round in a lot of leagues, he has severely underperformed. Uh, I mean, there was a point in the year where J.D. McKissick was a much more viable and productive option. But the schedule's kind of nice for the Washington football team starting tonight. And we'll talk about uh, a little bit about it later on uh, when we talk the Monday Night Football game. The schedule's very nice. Do we have any faith, though, that Antonio Gibson is going to turn things around and end up being a league winner for you? I think you could win a championship with Antonio Gibson as like your RB2. I do not think, though, he will be the reason you are going to win said championship. I mean, four of his last five games, he's been held into single-digit fantasy points. And the game coming off the bye in the toughest matchup against the Bucks, he looked good. He rushed for two touchdowns. He scored 22 fantasy points. And we were like, all right, Antonio Gibson's back. Then last week, just seven and a half fantasy points. Did have 95 yards, but also had a fumble. To me, 
even in a good matchup like this, and I was talking on the Sunday show about how I like Antonio Gibson this week, he's still just more of a mid to low end RB2 for me because the catches are going to go to J.D. McKissick. You're hoping that he gets a touchdown if you use him. Otherwise, there's always the possibility of single digits because... He's given us single digits more often than not this year. So I, I think that he is more of an RB2 that could have some nice games and some favorable matchups, but I am not expecting him to go on like a league-winning type of run. You know, that, that game against the Bucks, I think, really is what threw us off, right? Because, as you mentioned, that was that was the tough matchup. That was the one that we were all worried about. That was the one where I was big on J.D. McKissick because it felt like Washington was going to be chasing in that game and having to throw the ball. Instead, you know, they get a couple of turnovers. They jump out to a lead. It ends up being a positive game script, and Gibson gets a whole lot of touches. But the inconsistency has been so great. And I think, for me, what has been most frustrating about him is – his lack of usage in the passing game. I mean, we, we talked so much last year about how he was a converted wide receiver that really had taken to the running back position so well. And we thought that, okay, well, maybe this year is when they open it up, they let him use some of those wide receiver skills that get him involved in the passing game. And instead, it's been very heavily J.D. McKissick there. So I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think the schedule is nice enough that he can have some really nice games for you. But I think the idea of him being that RB1 that we wanted him to be, that you probably spent a second round pick on, I think that's done now. And so maybe he's a good complimentary piece, but you're right. He's he's not the guy that's going to carry you uh, to a fantasy championship this year. Unless, you know, look, something crazier things have happened, but but just what we've seen this, this far uh, doesn't suggest that that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, Jamar Chase, and I don't think we've talked about this a lot, uh, certainly not on this show, but after his hot start to the season, the last month, six weeks or so, uh, have not been too spectacular. I mean, uh, we've seen T. Higgins step it up and, and have some good games, but Jamar Chase has been kind of invisible. I think a lot of defenses are taking him away. Uh, down the stretch, do we see early season Jamar Chase, or is this the guy that that is going to kind of be with us for the rest of the year? I have, I do have a lot of concerns about Jamar Chase, but I will say he definitely has league winning abilities because of what he could just do as a field stretcher. And you talk about his struggles as of late. In the first seven games he played, his lowest fantasy point total was 13.4 fantasy points. In the last month, his highest is 13.1. So in the last month, his best game is worse than his worst game over the first seven weeks. But that being said, he is still one of the best field stretchers, one of the better downfield threats in the NFL. So while I'm not feeling nearly as confident in him as I was, say, a month ago, even a couple weeks ago, I do think that you still start him each week, even if it's as a wide receiver three or a flex option because of the upside that he brings. The next, you know, like next week, it's a next couple of weeks are tough matchups, but it eases towards the end of the year. I, I'm not ready to say this guy is going to win you a championship just yet, but I definitely think uh, he has that in him. He, he can definitely go on a hot streak and just like we saw early in the year, just put teams on his back. I think because we've seen the ceiling and how high it is, that is why you're starting him every week because any one of those games is possible at any time. Um, it, it is just frustrating because it seems like defenses are really out to take him away. And, and look, it even happened uh, on Sunday with the Bengals still having a huge day and getting that big win. Uh, you know, three catches, 39 yards. That was it for Jamar Chase. So defenses are really scheming to take him out of the game plan. Now, maybe Zach Taylor and the offense, they figure something out to get him involved again. But uh, it is, it's very worrisome what we have seen. Um, and so I, I think... I don't think his gameplay right now is league winning type gameplay, but he has a he has a league winning ceiling. And I think that's the reason people are going to stick with him just because um, you just you just can't really fade him at any point because the big game is always right around the corner there. Um, Terry McLaurin, uh, kind of a middle of the road schedule the rest of the way for the Washington football team. And again, he does play on Monday night against the Seahawks. Uh, but the talent is outside. Another situation with, like Jamar Chase, right, where we know what the ceiling is. We know how high it can be. Um, it's been sort of meh lately. Uh, but, but do we think Scary Terry can scare you up a championship this year? I definitely think he can. Will he? Uh, that's going to come down to Taylor Heineke and uh, and how he plays. But the schedule doesn't scare me. You mentioned Seattle. After that, it's Vegas, Dallas, 
Eagles, Dallas Eagles. Like, that doesn't really scare me a whole lot. I think Terry McLaurin has proven to be matchup proof at this point in his career. It's more, is the quarterback going to connect with Terry McLaurin? He gets safe volume each week. He's one of the better field stretchers in the NFL. I think he is one of the most underrated players in the NFL, and he just needs a consistent quarterback to take him into that like elite tier of receivers. Um, but that being said, based on the targets, the air yards he sees each week, I definitely think Scary Terry has a league-winning upside. I'm yeah I'm I'm all in on Terry McLaurin. Uh, like you said, he has sort of been matchup proof. He's been fairly quarterback proof so far. Uh, I I also sort of secretly pray that he doesn't turn into Allen Robinson 2.0, just a, a really talented receiver who can never get help at the quarterback position. But I feel like all the pieces are there, and I think especially because Washington like just about every other team in the NFL is still in playoff contention. Uh, at some point, they're just going to turn to their guy and say, hey, look, Terry, we need you to carry us, especially with Antonio Gibson sort of underperforming. Uh, you know, I know what Logan Thomas expected back, so that's going to be a help to the offense. But but I, I think at some point they just decide we are going to go as far on offense at least uh, as our star wide receiver can, can carry us. So I, I still believe that Terry McLaurin uh, is potentially a league winner for you, uh, maybe even more than, than some of the other guys we've mentioned so far in this segment. Last one, and this to me is maybe a, an interesting conversation, maybe even a bigger conversation uh, that we have at some point down the road, but Kyle Pitts, um, you know, he's had a couple of nice games. I don't think he's had the sustained breakout period that any of us expected. And then the last few weeks have been, let's just be honest, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bleak for him the last few weeks. I guess that is why 66% of people on your poll uh, went with Pat Fryermuth as opposed to Kyle Pitts. Do we believe he can somehow muster it up in the last few weeks to uh, help you get a title? No, no, unfortunately wow. not. At this point, I think Kyle Pitts is looking closer to waiver wire fodder than I think league winning tight end. Um, and, and a lot of it is the usage, man. Like he had that stretch you were talking about, Marcus, where he had over 23 fantasy points in those two games and back to back games over eight targets in each over 100 air yards in each. Since then, the air yards, he has one game over 80. He has no games with at least eight targets. Um. Part of it is on him. I think part of it, too, is that with Calvin Ridley out, defenses now are throwing everything they can to stopping Kyle Pitts because the Falcons offense really is Pitts and Cordero Patterson, and that's it. But Pitts has struggled uh, in that aspect, and the usage just hasn't been there. So right now, I, I still had him as someone I'm not quite ready to drop. But last night when I put out the question on Twitter, like, who are you dropping this week? A lot of people said Kyle Pitts, and honestly, at this point, it's getting harder and harder to blame them. He's had less than 30 receiving yards in back-to-back -back games. Uh, in fact, in three of his last five games, uh, he's had less than 30 receiving yards. Had a game not too long ago with just 13. Um, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, we, he had those those games, as you mentioned, with 100 yards back-to-back. -back. We thought, okay, this is it. Like, the unicorn has finally shown himself. Um, and since then, he's been caged. Uh, defenses have figured out, like, hey, let's just take this guy away and make it hard on the Falcons to throw the football and, uh, you know, I think this is some of the perils of not only being a rookie, but being a highly touted rookie that is supposed to be the next great thing. And right now, Kyle Pitts is kind of struggling with that uh, and his production is suffering as a result. And, uh, yeah, a guy that we thought could maybe be a really nice option for you uh, really is, is starting to slide down the, the tight end rankings right now. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what our evaluation of him is going to be at the end of the season if we consider him to be, uh, you know, a bust this year, if he's just a rookie tight end. Uh, you know, there was so much chatter about him before the season started and even middle of the year. Uh, I'm just, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily have a full position. I don't want to say I'm like, you know, siding one way or another. Uh, I just want to know what the conversation is going to be and, and how we feel about him once the year is, uh, is all over. Going to be interesting. All right. Uh, time for another break, but when we come back, we'll dive into the Week 13 Waiver Wire. Which fantasy free agents can help beef up your roster? Find out after the break on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Taking a look at the waiver wire options for week 13. Michael Florio, please take us through your list. Carson Wentz, who was dropped in a lot of leagues after a down couple of weeks, good week this week, and now gets the Houston Texans next week. Taysom Hill, look, they just paid him. He was the backup quarterback. The Saints continue to lose with Trevor Simeon. At some point, I think they make a, a change. Trevor Lawrence, this is just a deep league thing as he has a favorable schedule after next week's matchup against the Rams. Alexander Madison, we spoke on him. We're going to continue to speak about him. He's the top waiver wire target this week. The Titans running backs, despite being on bye, we're getting clarity in that backfield. I think they are worthy of picking up. That's Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. Boston Scott, just because it is the Jets next week and Miles Sanders hurt his ankle. So Scott could be in for a huge day. The Panthers backs, Hubbard and Abdullah, just in case CMC misses. And then Matt Breida, who's been getting more work in the Bills backfield. And then some receivers and tight ends you could take a shot on. Van Jefferson continues to see big volume in three wide receiver sets there for the Rams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has 19 targets in his last two games combined. I don't care that he's on bye next week. I think you take a shot on him. T.Y. Hilton gets the Texans next week. We know he thrives against them. He's been getting consistent volume. Josh Reynolds is looking like the Lions wide receiver one. Kendrick Bourne is really stepping up. I believe he's like the wide receiver three since week three or something crazy like that. Nick Westbrook-Akina, just because someone needs to catch the ball in Tennessee. Deshaun Jackson, who got more volume. LaVisca Chenault, who got more volume. And then if you're in need of tight end, Cole Komet continues to see safe volume each week. And Jack Doyle's been utilized more as of late for the Colts. So a little bit of a deeper name there for tight end. I love that Jack Doyle never quite goes away from our lives. Sort of, uh, <laughs> sort of. Also, Josh Reynolds. How many? How many number one wide receivers have the Lions been through this year? Right. I mean, you know, I, I was pushing the Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, fallacy for a while. Uh, Khalif Raymond stepped up for a minute. Now it's a uh, we're on to Josh Reynolds. They're just kind of Williams had like week one. one. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> forgot about that too. Yeah, that that's also part of it. Uh, they're just cycling through guys, man. It, uh, it's a bad scene there in Detroit. Um, let's talk about though. You had a couple of Titans running backs on that list uh, between Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. Um, I, obviously, you know Adrian Peterson is no longer there, so it is kind of between these two guys. Hilliard. The last couple of weeks has been the better of the two. Uh, which one of them would you want? Uh, you know, if you if you have to pick between one of them in the next week or two, which one are you are you aiming for? I would take the upside shot on Dontrell Hilliard. Not only is he seeing more volume in the passing game, and we know that those are very valuable, but. He's also shown a little bit more burst. I think he looks a little bit more explosive. For I mean, both of those guys rushed for over a hundred yards yesterday. Foreman did get a good amount of work in the fourth quarter. Eight carries, nearly 40 rushing yards in the fourth when they were getting blown out and, and down, you know, over multiple scores. So I still think Hilliard, because this is a team that is going to struggle to pass the ball, and I think that's going to lead to a lot of dump-offs for the running backs. But that being said, I mean, Foreman did see a little bit more work near the goal line. I think both of these two are worthy of picking up, and I would actually prioritize them just after Alexander Madison. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you know we'll talk about the top waiver wire target, though. I think it's a, a pretty clear answer. But uh, Hilliard does sort of look like the guy, and I think it's it's what you mentioned that that passing game upside that gives him the advantage there. I mean, we saw that a couple weeks ago when Hilliard first sort of burst on the scene. In a week, we thought maybe it would be a Deontay Foreman week. Instead, it wasn't. So uh, that's kind of the guy that I would lean toward there. I mean, look, if you are. At this point, if you are in need of running back help, there's not a lot of it you're going to find out there on the waiver wire, so you can't necessarily you know, expect huge performances out of these guys. But the opportunity is going to be there uh, as long as Derrick Henry is out. So uh, I think it's worth kind of keeping an eye on them. Um, your team, the Buffalo Bills, they are, I don't know, I don't know what the term is, frustrating, annoying uh, when it comes to their running back situation. I mean, Zach Moss, it seemed like, was like the guy that they wanted not long ago. Then on Sunday, or on Thursday, rather, he was a healthy scratch. Uh, and Matt Breida, for the second week in a row, comes in and, and has a, a decent game. So it looks like Breida is a thing for now. I mean, can we trust this? Can we, can we trust Sean McDermott and this offense to make Matt Breida a thing for the short term? 
I think we could trust it in the sense that he's worthy of taking a flyer and picking up off the waiver wire. But that being said, I, I said a lot of names for, at the running back position on that board. I would take a shot on all of those names before I would Matt Breida. Like, the Bills coaching staff is talking up what he brings, and that is speed. And, I mean, no offense to Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. Those two, they, they lack some explosiveness. But it was still Devin Singletary leading the way. He had 16 carries this past week. Matt Breida's looked good in two of his three games for fantasy purposes, but it's because he scored touchdowns. So I think that Breida has a lot of upside because of what he brings with that speed and explosiveness, but he is still just playing a secondary role here behind Devin Singletary. So as of now, I think he is more like a, a upside flyer and not someone that I would be looking to start next week against the Patriots. I, I did play Matt Breida this past week in kind of a desperation spot start, and uh, it worked out. You know, I got, I think, 13 points or so out of him, so that was that was cool. But it's not something that I, I feel comfortable uh, doing on a regular basis. Um, I just – I want to believe in – I just I want the Bills to believe in one of their running backs, right? Like, I like Devin Singletary. Some people like Zach Moss. That's cool. I just need the Bills to, like, decide on one of these guys instead of – making our lives frustrating all the time and then you still um, got to worry about josh allen because he's a safe bet to lead them in in rushing yards and tds each week <laughs> right exactly so uh it's just a frustrating situation all around there uh so i guess it's a simple simple answer right your your top waiver target of the week is it, it, alexander madison the only player yeah. that i think you there, this is a good waiver wire week don't get me wrong but there is one player on the waiver wire that I think could win you your league and it is Alexander Madison so that's what I'm saying like and if you're in a fab league Marcus I would spend a hundred percent of my remaining fab to get Alexander Madison because when is a player of this caliber going to pop up again on the waiver wire it probably won't happen again this season no it probably won't it's it's probably you know your best shot and you know it's it's not very often that you get somebody on the waiver wire of this caliber this late in the year. Normally, your your waiver wire stars and your waiver wire heroes hit early in the season. Uh, this is one worth happening late in the year, and uh, yeah, this is this could be interesting. Real quick side note: um, at this point in the year, would you rather have Van Jefferson or Odell Beckham? I would rather have Van Jefferson. Uh, I I think both of them. Are, I, I think it's going to be kind of similar. They're going to get similar production, but I just think Van Jefferson uh, is a better field stretcher at this point in his career, and he knows the offense, but it, it is close. Each week, I kind of rank those guys almost back-to-back as like wide receiver threes with, with high upside. Yeah, Odell had his uh, his first Rams touchdown yesterday. Uh, had a nice game, 80, 81 yards, I believe it was, uh, and the touchdown. Van Jefferson with 91 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I feel like Van can do more with less. And so maybe that's the reason. Also, I I have just been a stand for him since the preseason, so I'm I'm not really backing down off of that at this point. O- Odell had um, one play with the Browns longer than he had yesterday with the Rams. Wow, that's <laughs> hey, look, man, Sean Mc, Sean McVay trying to pump some life back into him. Even though the Rams are kind of free falling right now, they made these big acquisitions uh, and they haven't won a game since they've done that. So we'll see. But they have the Jaguars next week, so if there's a chance to get right. Uh, it's next week against Jacksonville, so we'll see. Uh, by the way, if you want more waiver wire options, check out Florio's column, NFL.com slash waiver wire. All right, let's wrap this show up talking about the Monday night football game. That will conclude week 12. It is Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington. Uh, the Seahawks and the football team uh, from the nation's capital tonight. Uh, and Russell Wilson has not been cooking all that much since coming back from a finger injury uh, to the point that people are legitimately wondering whether or not he is a startable option uh, anymore, at least until things get better. So let's say 15 points. Let's put the over-under at 15 points uh, for Russell Wilson. I will also throw in the added information that today – is Russell Wilson's 33rd birthday. So will he have a happy birthday and get more than 15 fantasy points? I think so, with the caveat that if he doesn't, I'm I'm firmly sitting Russell Wilson moving forward, at least until he shows us otherwise. I mean, Washington has allowed more fantasy points to quarterbacks than any team in the NFL this year. Basically every quarterback, except for two, and Tom Brady was one of the two, which is strange, has topped 22 fantasy points against them. Russell Wilson in his last two games combined hasn't reached 15 fantasy points, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that now he's had some extra time for that finger to heal. It is a good matchup. If it doesn't happen this week, though, Marcus, I'm going to be very, very worried about him. 
I am going to buy in and say that, yes, he, he gets more than 15 fantasy points tonight, which, you know, would seem, you know, if we were asking this question in August, people would be like, well, of course he is. What, what are you talking about? That's insane. Uh, but here we are just after Thanksgiving, and it's a legitimate question, especially because the last few weeks uh, have been really bad. His last few fantasy totals. Uh, look, he was under nine. He was under six. Uh, in fact, he hasn't scored more than nine fantasy points since way back in week four. Obviously, he missed some time because of the finger injury, uh, but it kind of speaks to how he's been struggling. But I think this is a chance to at least kind of get things going back in the right direction. I don't think it's going to be spectacular, but I think it'll be better than what we've seen from him uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, who has the bigger game at wide receiver, DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin? I'm going to go with DK Metcalf here solely because of the matchup. Washington, while they allow a bunch of fantasy points to quarterbacks, they're also up there against receivers as well. And if I'm expecting a, a bigger day out of Russ, I think it leads to a bigger day for DK Metcalf as well. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Terry McLaurin in this one. I, I think DK has a pretty nice game today. But uh, I think McLaurin, just because there are fewer places to go with the football, I, I, yeah, I think for Russ, at least he knows he can get it over to Tyler Lockett occasionally and have him make some plays. Uh, in the Washington passing game, it's pretty much just Terry McLaurin. And, you know, I mean, you can, I guess, come to me with DeAndre Carter uh, or somebody like that. But, but this is a pretty funneled passing game. And so I think for that reason, just the the – prospect of more targets for Terry McLaurin against a bad Seahawks defense. That's why I would I would lean slightly towards Scary Terry. Uh, last one. We talked about Antonio Gibson and his struggles this year. Let's put the over-under at 12. Uh, would you go higher or lower for Gibson tonight? Uh, I'm going higher. I, I did speak him up a lot on Sunday. I, <laughs> I, sure? I love the matchup. <laughs> I, I don't feel great about it because of, I mean, 12 fantasy points would be more than he's had in four of his last five games, but the Seahawks allow the second most fantasy points to running backs on the year, and I think Washington is going to try to keep this game kind of close. I think they're going to try to run the ball early a good amount, so I'm saying over 12 fantasy points, but similar to Russell Wilson, like Gibson, if you don't come through tonight, we're going to have to have a talk after this game or something like that. <laughs> uh, I will also take the over here just because I think the matchup is good, and I think you know the, the game script will at least stay... Uh, reasonable for most of it. I don't. I don't expect either one of these teams to you know run out and hide tonight. So I think both of them kind of stick to their their regular game plans, and I think that will help Gibson, uh, you know, kind of stay competitive and stay relevant in this game. It has not been great, but I think tonight will be uh, a decent night. Um, we should we should check in with Kimmy Checks to see what would be an acceptable number to get from Antonio Gibson that would make her. I less don't think salty. there is one. You may be right. I've never seen him that upset about a player. Uh, that was that was new. It was kind of fun. Uh, you were the only non-salty again. one, Marcus, because I was I was salty I know. about Mac Jones. I know, and then Mac Jones actually ended up having a pretty good game. Uh, <laughs> I've heard people done. say, "Well, the, they beat the Titans after the Titans beat the Bills." Well, context matters. Let's let's look at who the <laughs> Titans were missing yesterday. Next Monday like, is going to be a great everybody. one, Marcus. I'm fired up already mm -hmm. for that one. Bill's Patriots should be a lot of fun, and it will tell us a lot about both of those teams. We'll figure out like you know how much of this winning streak is is real or a mirage. Uh, we'll figure out if the Bills are ready to uh, maybe regain control of the AFC East. Uh, so that'll, that'll be fun, and we will talk about plenty of that uh, and more on Wednesday. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember... If you dig a hole in the South Pole, are you digging down or are you digging up? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.